So the shoe is on the other foot in this episode. It's actually me being interviewed this time. Paul Green, who is a friend of mine, friend of the the business as well. He runs a local networking group in our area called the Business Community. And it really is more of a community than just your your standard networking group. So um, I actually feel like I'm doing it a bit of a disservice calling it um, a networking group. But there you go. One of the things that Paul does, or he's just started to do, is this spotlight on members. So he asked me to come and do a a live stream with him and and he would interview me. And my expectation was that it would be very much about the business and what we do and who we help and my thoughts and feelings on various tactics and trends within the social media and digital marketing world, because that's the sort of stuff I'm used to. That's the kind of thing I get asked all the time. But actually, the questions that Paul had for me were far more about, you know, my development, my my what's got me here to where I am today, what happened along the way, how it all kind of came about. And I thought it would be really interesting to share that on the Christina Talks podcast, because some of you listening to this, you do know me, but you probably know me as who I am right now and not the person that joined Green Umbrella Marketing eight years ago in 2013 or, um, you know, you, you probably have just assumed that I've always been the business owner and that I founded the business. So there's a little bit of background in this podcast that I think might be interesting for some of you. And I don't know, I just thought it'd be something a bit different, something a bit different for you to hear. And I really hope that you kind of enjoy finding out more about me um, and seeing what it's like when I'm put under a bit of pressure as well. When I'm the one being interviewed and not knowing what questions are going to come out. Yeah, I really hope that you find something of use in this, a little bit of insight into me. You get to see what it's like when I'm under a bit of pressure, answering questions that I'm not expecting. There's nothing nothing scary in here, but, um, but yeah, like I said, I yeah, let me know what you think. Here we go. Let's do it. Okay, looks like we're live. So, hi, it's Paul Green from the uh, business community here, and today I am joined by uh, Christina from Green Umbrella Marketing. Hi, Christina. Hello. So, I've managed to drag her out of a busy schedule so we can uh, probe her a little bit on her business and learn a little bit about. Uh, her and her business and then hopefully get some top sort of tips on social media and digital marketing so for those of you in the wide world that might not know you Christina do you just want to give a little introduction and let people know who you are and what your business is and a little bit about what you're about yeah so um, I'm Christina Robinson from Green Umbrella Marketing we are a marketing agency focused on all the digital stuff. So social media management is at the core of what we do, but we also do a lot of content creation, email marketing, um, blogging, that sort of stuff, websites. Um, And we also offer print and design. So although digital is our first love, we still really believe that print's important, even at times like this where you kind of think no one's in the office and that sort of stuff. We're really seeing print start to move again at the minute. So that that's cool. And we work with a lot of small businesses. So that, that's our sort of target market as well. So uh, yeah, quite, quite a lot of different ways to help you market your business. Okay, excellent. Now it's an interesting journey in terms of how you to became the boss of Green Umbrella. So I thought it might be quite interesting for those that 
might be an employee in a business or thinking about buying a business, you've obviously gone through that uh, uh, experience. So what, what was it like for you? Um, what are some of the top tips you'd give anybody that were looking to maybe uh, buy a business from a previous owner? Um, so in my situation, I'd worked with the previous owner for a number of years and we'd, we'd got quite a close working relationship. So it was very difficult to kind of draw a line between the emotional and the commercial. Mm -hmm. So that would probably be like, you know, something you really need to consider um, if you go through that sort of management buyout scenario, obviously it depends what, what you relate, you know, how things are to start off with. Um, but I think that's really, really key. And then when you look at the figures, it's really, I'd say one of the mistakes possibly that I made, I knew the business so intricately mm -hmm. that when I was looking at the figures, I was very much kind of like, well, you know, I know this is going to happen and I know that's going to happen and I know the other's going to happen. Um, and so kind of some of that purchasing decision is not made in the same way, I think, when you're, you know, buying it from, from within. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be able to go to someone and, you know, that is kind of cold, that doesn't know the business in the same way you do, present them with the figures. Because essentially the only thing you've got to go on is what's happened to date, not mm -hmm. what, what, what you believe is going to happen in the future. Um, and I think if you were buying any other business, you'd that's how you'd be thinking. But mm. when you're in this sort of MBO scenario, you're you kind of get a bit hooked in. Mm. I think depending on which part of the relationship you are, whether you're buying, whether you're selling, you see the value of the business in a very different way, and that's always going to be the truth. Um, but yeah, it, one of the the toughest parts really were to keep kind of pulling out, almost taking out the foresight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and like I say, just kind of looking at things as cold, hard facts. So, so at what point on that journey did you realize that, you know, you were going to buy the business? Because I don't know whether you came in as an employee thinking that was your ultimate goal or whether it evolved. So at what point did that sort of transition change? Um, absolutely. I came in as um, I came into the business as a freelancer initially. Um, and that within a very short space of time, I became uh, a full-time employee, very, very dedicated to the business and buying it was just not on the cards. It, it just wasn't, and you know, I never imagined myself as a business owner. Yeah, yeah. And then I was having a conversation um, with the, the previous owner and she'd been through, you know, she'd sold a business previously and not had, a fantastic experience let's say and mm -hmm. uh, she was like if if she sells again she'd want to do it internally is that something I would ever be interested in and at the time I kind of went yeah 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 and in my head I was thinking that's never going to happen <laughs> I don't know yeah. special now. Enough. what <laughs> sort of a business owner would you be <laughs> Um, but I was going, yeah, 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 that sounds like something I'd want to do. And, you know, and I was flattered, absolutely flattered by the question. But, you know, a couple of years kind of passing the business grew again. And, um, and my role within the business just increased, increased, increased in terms of the, the function that I served. I was very much involved in decision making, that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, that gap that I'd felt when it was sort of first mentioned became really, really tiny. Mm -hmm. um, and it got to 
Um, so many people know Julia, who was the previous business mm-hmm. owner. Yeah. Um, she'd found another passion. Mm-hmm. And she was spending more and more time out of the business doing that, which is a fantastic thing to be able to do when you're a business owner, step away and, and you know, and, and not worry about your business. Um, but the more she was doing that, the more I was kind of, you know, doing the day-to-day running of the business, thinking more strategically. And it got to a point where I just kind of went, actually, if I'm going to buy this business, it's now or never. Mm. Um, and that was sort of the autumn 2018. And then we went through all the negotia- negotiations and 1st of April 2019, um, yeah, I suddenly all of a sudden found myself the owner of a business. And what was that? It must have been a range of emotions sort of like going through that. And was there a a conscious sort of mindset change from you from being employee to employer? I I think the mindset thing had changed already. We kind of got, we'd gotten to a situation where from my, this is from my perspective, Julia might tell it differently, but um Though you know, someone would need to make a decision, and I'd be waiting for her to make it, and she'd be waiting for me to make it. And it was just kind of you'd got two people, and one person needed to, you know, be a, be above the other. I was mm-hmm. trying to think of another way of saying that, really. And and I think that's where it got a bit tricky, and that's mm-hmm. where I started to sort of feel like I already felt like the business owner, yeah, but it wasn't my business. And it's at that point I, um. I wouldn't say I was getting frustrated, but I was just, I was feeling it. And I kind of thought, actually, I didn't like this. I didn't like where I was. I mm. either needed to, you know, go balls deep, basically. Yeah. Or get and it, it, it was, it, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's, that was the crunch point. Um, and then it was, it just felt like a rite of passage, mm. to be honest. It, there was no kind of... Um, I'm not a risk taker. Mm-hmm. This was something, it was like a natural next step. I I didn't feel any anxiety um, apart from literally the 1st of April. I drove over to where we were meeting to, you know, sign all the paperwork and yeah. everything. And, and I parked the car and I just, you know, turned off the engine and like went to open the door and I just kind of went, it's a bit real now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, you know, find a few choice words and feel the silence here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? no, and I, it. it was just a little bit like, am I actually going to, like, almost like, who am I to do this? Mm. There, mm. There's, over the, like, um, people that get to know me well, they get to hear lots of bits of my, you know, the Christina story. Mm. There's lots of reasons why. I, you know, I might not be here. There's lots yeah, of reasons yeah. why I could have, you know, just kind of, you know, be sat on a checkout in Tesco's and thinking that was like the, you know, like I'd made it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it's in that moment, I really did feel that. And I didn't feel like I shouldn't be doing this or anything like that. It was just like, who am I? Yes. Yeah. To do this thing. Um and that I probably sat there for a good kind of like, you know, a good five minutes or so, just kind of going, Oh, there's no going back now. I'm no, here. No, yeah, I get that. Um, and I can see that. Now yeah. you've the, the company's always had like an interesting business model. So nowadays in the current sort of situation, remote workers is is now sort of for some the new norm. But for you guys, you've you've been having remote workers probably since the 
start of the business or certainly early on from this that's still something you sort of emulate now so you did, looking back then did you see that as being um uh, thought leaders of the time or was it a model that was adopted from somewhere else um uh, well just that really um to be honest I, I don't because it's a model i inherited i don't know initially where that came from um mm. So I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend to. Yeah. But it's a model that always worked really, really well. It allowed us to keep overheads low, mm -hmm. which meant that. So, you know, when you keep your overheads low, you can increase your, you know, your percentages um, and just feel the benefit on your bottom line. But mm -hmm. what Green Umbrella's always done is keep overheads low so that then actually the fees we charge to the, the SME market. Mm -hmm it's the client that feels the benefit of the fact that our costs are low. Sometimes it works against us. So um, I've pitched for some business recently um, that we didn't win um, because the, the client was London-based and as far as they were concerned, we were too cheap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sometimes is a barrier, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it's a bit, bit of a funny thing. But, you know, coming into, you know, obviously, you know, March and what happened then, mm -hmm we had very little friction in terms of shifting green umbrella as a business into this, you know, situation everyone was in where you're suddenly having to work from home. We kind of set up for it anyway. Yeah. So um, there's, been, there's been various sort of things in the press recently about um, mainly corporate sort of like suggesting they want people in the office because it's easy to manage and they reckon productivity will be better and creativity will be uh uh, better when you've got people around you I mean would you agree with that or do you find that you still have that uh, you know you're ticking all those boxes in the way that you work I know you have some office based staff as well but um, how do you find that so we've always had a scenario where we can get together regularly so it, even the guys that are not office based um, you know, once a month they come into Daventry and we, we would meet up and we you know we switch that to online of course so we also we have a, um, a like a private group that we we all communicate in on a daily basis, and we, we use lot we use Slack as a communication tool as well. So we are able to create that culture um, and a creative culture through those things. However, what I would say is thinking about just the people that are normally based in the office definitely impacts. It doesn't impact the output of creativity, but it impacts the speed of it. Okay. Interesting. So, you know, whereas, so Mark normally sits opposite me, I might be, um, you know, walking behind him to get to the printer and I happen to see something on his screen and I was like, oh, you know, oh, I don't like that shade of blue. Mm -hmm. Having a conversation and all of a sudden it's just that someone else seeing something something appear you know equally he might be playing with things and we will you know we see what's on his screen and we're kind of going like wow that's amazing but mm. you know did you do that really <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know and he's kind of like oh yeah I'm wondering whether to do this or this with it and we're like no 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 leave it alone leave it alone it's brilliant yeah yeah no, but also problem solving mm. because sometimes um how would I explain this so imagine you're getting really, really frustrated with something. You just can't work it out. 
when you're sat in a room with people, then you kind of go, oh, for God's sake, this just won't work. And someone leans over the desk and they go, oh, no, it's just that button there. And yeah. oh, you know, I can do that for you. And it's, it's done. Mm. Whereas when you're working independently and you've got a problem, well, actually, then you need to arrange to cap. So we were talking about some LinkedIn ads and something wasn't quite working the way we wanted it to. Jane had to wait till there was a slot in my diary where we could set up a call to have the conversation. And she had to come into the office a couple of weeks ago for something. And literally, you know, a similar thing had come up with Facebook ads this time. And literally within about 15 minutes, we just had a very creative conversation. We'd come up with like four or five things that we needed to do to get over the hurdle we were experiencing. And it's mm. like happy days. Mm. Like I say, you know, to not have that in the room contact. It's yeah. Quite tricky. And the other thing as well. You imagine we talk, we talk about Facebook ads. Yeah. I start scrolling through my phone, trying to like figure out what's going on and what's what, and you know, trying to come up with the ideas. Well, just then it looked like I was tuned out of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. You know, and that it, there's a lot of blocks that you don't mm. realize. Mm. Interesting. So I know um, uh, you have external advisors, mentors, coaches for your business was that something that you took on when you took over the business or did you have sort of external influences before and what made you how I guess how did you go about choosing a mentor or a coach and what benefits does it does it bring you to to I guess your new newish business um so it's very much about me rather than the business if I'm honest Okay. So um, what leader do I want to be? What kind of, what business owner, what entrepreneur, if you like? So, you know, where did I feel the gaps were in my knowledge or where did I, where did I feel my risks were? Um, so I kind of put myself in an employee and said, so, right, Christina's coming in as the business owner. Where, where would my concerns be? Um, I then went out and found mentors that would, help me get over those gaps basically mm -hmm. so um the the first kind of coach or mentor and you you could argue this person kind of filled either role really, or both roles really um, and that was going through the sale of the business that was my um sort of third party they weren't involved in the finance yeah like that they they knew um yeah, that they knew me well. They'd worked with me for for a few years. Um, they'd bought and sold businesses, had failed businesses as well as successful businesses. So I think that's really important because it's mm -hmm. not all shiny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, and but so that person sort of helped me through all the decisions or like and the you know they had the foresight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were a couple of things that popped up that I needed to think about, you know, how am I going to deal with these things and difficult conversations. Um, so, you know, it, it was I found someone that could help me with that stuff. More recently, um, I'm not a natural salesperson. When it comes to business, you know, I didn't go to business school. I haven't got a business degree. I've, you know, I've never studied entrepreneurship. When it comes to reading the business books and stuff, I've only really done that for the last probably three years. Mm -hmm. So I felt from a business education perspective, it was almost like I was functioning at this level, mm -hmm. but I have zero foundations. Mm -hmm. 
So what I needed was someone that would have the conversations with me here and call me out on the stuff that I didn't know mm-hmm. rather than um, assuming that I know stuff. Yeah. yeah. And somewhere, somewhere I could go where I could go, someone's asked me this. I don't even know what it means. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you're when you're looking at buying and selling a business and then someone suddenly mentions EBITDA and you're thinking, I don't know what that means. Yeah, I thought it was a radio station. You know, it's like, but you need somewhere to go to ask those questions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I do some mentoring coaching. I think most businesses will value from having that external influence. Um, and if you can't afford it, you know, go and find someone that's willing just to give a little bit of their time, uh, just, to, just to shoulder to cry on ear to bend that sort of thing um you know because i think most business owners i come across don't have all the answers they don't know every every single thing about business you know you, you need those people to advise i think a lot of people think it's it's normal to have an accountant you know you, you're sort of ex uh, um uh, outsourcing that but then when it comes to a coach or mentor i don't think that's a natural thing for a lot of people they just see it as an added cost or an added uh, uh expense to the business do you know what I think is the right it's most certainly my attitude um and I actually think it's the right attitude you're buying a friend mm-hmm. and it's as simple as that you are when you, it's it's really frigging lonely mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to make decisions and I, I don't think it honestly I don't think it matters whether you it's just you and your business or if you have got a team if you're working with contractors freelancers whatever when you have to make the difficult decisions mm. it's tough and it's lonely and it's all on you um when you've got to start making plans even when they're exciting plans you've got like who are you going to talk to mm-hmm. so actually what you're buying is is someone's um you know it, if you become great friends with someone you share all the stuff with them because you trust them yeah yeah. You know, and you've you've become friends with them because you're like minded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got similar interests. And if you think all, all of those bits that make up that friendship relationship, that's everything you need in a business coach or mentor. Mm. Yeah, I I've had days in this office, I've dropped a ball on something and I'm really frustrated with myself and I can't get out the headspace. And I literally I sent my um my one of my mentors, a voice note saying, you don't need to respond, but I just need to get this out of my system. I just need to put it somewhere. Mm, mm. Um, I, think, I-, I, think, I think that's true. You know, I, I tend to work with family-run businesses, and I find that sometimes, you know, if there's issues in the business, um, that the MD or whatever doesn't want to take them home with them. They don't want to worry their significant other. Um, so it's nice just to have, like, an independent person to talk to, um, and have you feel a little bit about a little bit better about it, you know, problem shared is a problem half type thing. So on to your lovely team. You know I stalk you guys every week um, on a thing called the GU Lunch. So do you want to tell people what the GU Lunch is and how they would uh, tune into it? Yeah, so every Thursday at 12 noon, um, the Green Umbrella HQ team go live on Facebook, on my LinkedIn profile and also on YouTube. Generally, we're live for kind of 45 minutes, try and keep it under an hour. Every two weeks, we have a guest. So Paul's been a guest before. um, And then on the alternate week, it's just us talking about all the social media updates. But essentially, it's an opportunity for you to, it's almost like that fly on the wall kind of experience. 
Um, it's putting the team in the limelight, really, mm-hmm. and you know, giving them a, you're getting people to to see them and hear them and get to know them. We started it just before we went into lockdown, so um, we actually closed the Green Umbrella office. I think it's like a week, two weeks before the official lockdown started. Mm. Um, and that's the week we started live lunch and to start off with it was I expected to do it for a few weeks and that would be that we're 30 odd weeks in now Mm. which is just absolutely crazy Um, but it's been it's been really good in people used to come into the office all the time Mm -hmm. they'd meet the team and you know we'd have a laugh over who who does and doesn't make the tea Um, and you know and just you know, just silly things that would happen when people popped in. So the idea behind it was to recreate that. And like I said, it's now developed into this format of having the the guest every couple of weeks, which has allowed us to basically promote some, like some of those people have been clients. Some of those people are just people we know through networking, whether it be locally or uh, we do a lot of work with recruitment agencies. So whether it's people we know through through that stuff as well, but it's just allowed us we know someone is doing something it's given us an opportunity to shout about what they're doing as well which has been really cool yeah it, it, it's good uh, I think it's quite a brave move you know because you are giving people a little bit of insight to you as a team and how you work um, and you, you, you're fairly honest about things you know it's, it's sort of no holes barred um, I, I rock up you know for me it's quite nice just to rock up each week just to, you know in these silly times you know it's just nice to have a regular thing that you know is going to happen where you know i'm going to try and come up with a dad joke or something and make people laugh you know and hope i pop up on the screen because i've said something funny um but no i, I think it's, it's great insight to you the team and how you work and also you share stuff you know usually usually come away with a top tip at least from from those sessions so yeah but you know if anybody's listening to this go and check them out it's a little bit of fun so you as an organization um share a hell of a lot of information so you've got videos you've got ebooks you've got regular webinars that you do and um you know i meet some people that say oh, you know don't do that that's my that's my um uh, uh company's intellectual property that's what i'm selling that's what people are going to be buying um what, what what are your thoughts on that give it all away give it all away why not so here's the thing If I can educate as many people as possible in what we do, then the reason they're going to use us is time. Mm -hmm. They haven't got the time to do it themselves. So I I always always say we help people that lack the time, the enthusiasm or the courage when it comes to their online marketing. So if I can educate you in everything you need to do, you're going to come back to me because you've realized how much time it takes and it's not the best use of your time in your business. So therefore you want to outsource it. Um, Or it might be you just like, okay, yeah, I understand what needs to happen. I get why it's important, but I just don't want to, I just don't want to have to think of a LinkedIn post. I'm Mm -hmm. not excited about doing it. It's not for me. Mm -hmm. Some people get some really fantastic ideas of what to put on social media or what to blog about, but actually hitting that publish button Mm -hmm. is that's the bit they struggle with. So the more I can put it out there, the more I can make it um, easy for people, the better. And the reality is, it honestly, it doesn't matter what you're selling. If you're not providing that answer, people are just going to Google it and get the answer from someone else anyway. Why, yeah. not, why not let them get the answer from you, build the trust with you, 
when they've got that money in their back pocket where they can actually pay to have it done rather than struggling to do it themselves, where else are they going to go? Yeah, yeah. Now, I've always been a bit big advocate of, you know, sharing your knowledge. Um, and then I think, you know, you're, you're helping raise your brand exactly as you say, you know, I've used your services not extensively, but, you know, just because I don't have the time to do stuff. And it's like, you know, I know what to do, but just sort of dump it over there because you've got the experts that can do it. Um, and uh, and yeah, so it's exactly that, you know, and, and I learned from some of the stuff that you do. I'm a member of your coaching club <clears throat> and it's useful to sort of like get advice on a weekly basis. So it moves me forward. So no, I, I think it's a, a I think it's a great, great idea. Um, something else popped into my head then and popped straight back out. Oh, Mari's joined us. Let's see how we pop up Mari's comments. So there you go. It's the doing of it, definitely. Mara's on next week, by the way. So um look forward to having a chat with her. Um, so can't think what the idea was, so we'll move on. Um, so you fairly recently launched a podcast. I did. Um, so you can uh, advertise that now and let people know what was your thinking and idea behind that? Um, okay, so Christina Talks is the podcast. Uh, it launched it sort of end of August, beginning of September. The first episode went out. Essentially, I've been privileged to have the experience that I have. So, you know, we've talked about mentors, but the reality is I was I was someone that didn't have a lot of self-confidence that was, you know, was constantly pulling out that line of fake it till I make it. And there were a lot of people that saw things in me that mm -hmm. I could do and be. And um, I think I probably resisted mm -hmm. some of that as well. But from the point where I kind of went, I'm going to do this with buying Green Umbrella and I've started to ask for help, I've, like I said, I've been really privileged to have met some people that are real cheerleaders for me people that have really inspired me, people that have really made me think mm -hmm. and ask questions of myself as well as of the business. Um, and the podcast really is a is a reflection on that. And I wish I'd started it on the 1st of April mm -hmm. 2019 when I, when I stepped into business owner shoes officially. Um, but, you know, the, the reality is the podcast is very much about like I say, you know, all these all these little things that have happened where I felt exceptionally lonely as a business owner, even though I've been surrounded by people, it's actually just voicing some of that stuff, having conversations with people that have helped me overcome some of those those issues as well, or have been the inspiration to to make me ask questions. Mm -hmm. I've got um just just to my left here i've i've got um my book and in the back of this book every time i i sit in one of my sessions with a mentor um you know that there's questions that come up that i'm then asking myself it's not necessarily things they've asked of me mm -hmm. and the reality is if i didn't have those conversations i would never think to ask myself those questions mm -hmm. and they're the things that are pushing the business forward so there's a little bit of marketing in there, of course, because I'm always tuned into the marketing stuff. So um, I think that there's been a few bits there, but it's very much the podcast is more about me. Or it is about me. It's all about me. It's all about you, Christina, isn't it? 
Yeah, it, it, it's not it's not about green umbrella, and it's I'd say it's not about digital marketing. So it's just a slightly different insight. Yes, it's quite a nice blend of uh, interviews. And every now and again, you'll do a little bit of a, I guess, a, a leadership insight or a business insight, don't you? So it's uh, so yeah, so people can sort of like tune into that on the usual podcast channels, whatever they are. So listening to one of those podcasts, you mentioned the number thirteen. Yes. So most for most people, I guess it's unlucky thirteen, but for you, uh, thirteen, I guess, is your lucky number. So do you want to sort of like share, you know, what the significance of thirteen is for you? Okay. So um, my my birthday is the thirteenth of February. Um, I was so my dad is one of thirteen kids. His mother's birthday was the 13th of August. My firstborn, she's born on the 13th of January, and I lived in house number 13 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, she was £7.13. ounces. I, My first job I ever had started on the 13th of the month. When I passed my driving test, that was on the 13th of the month. Um, when I bought Green Umbrella, we were off in Office 13. I started working here in 2013. Um, there, there's just so many things. So mm. to the point where we like we go and get a coffee in Costa, and you know they give you a little number for the table. Yeah. It's always 13. Right. Yeah, always 13. <laughs> in fact, it's quite you know it's like you know it gets posted on Instagram and stuff like that when it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, we we went on a Segway, um, you know, like you can do these team day outs. Yeah, Segway riding, mm-hmm. um, and you know they they just dish out the Segways, and the one I got, someone then said, like look, and it was 13. number thirteen. So it's just like it's everywhere. Just it's it's just everywhere. It's really really bizarre. Um, and then what's funny is my second daughter Isabella, who you you've met Bella, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, Bella, yeah. Um, so it's her birthday today, mm-hmm. which is not the 13th, mm-hmm. um, but it's the 3rd of November. So I've still got my ones and my threes in there. Yes, it sort of counts, doesn't it? Sort of counts. <laughs> um, so um, oh, I don't know whether superstitious is the right word. So, um, or so let's say spiritual, you know, that those sort of serendipity things. So do, do those um, feelings or views, I mean, we talk about fate and luck and stuff like that. Do you believe in that? And, you know, does that contribute to your business or shape your business in any way? Um, so from a spirit, from a spiritual context, nah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just coincidence, isn't it? It's just crazy coincidence that it, you know, it just keeps popping up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that there are things that I've I've done when and I've hung my hat on a 13 and it's not worked out. And you know, it's, you know, even like um, you know, the Grand National, mm-hmm. I always I always every year I place a bet on whatever's like whichever horse is number 13. Yeah. Every year, every year, apart from this year, every year. And I think there's maybe twice I've won, you know. So it's kind of it's there's times where you kind of go, oh yeah, thirteen. That's what <laughs> I mean. um, but yeah, I certainly certainly don't. Um, you know, if I if I'm really really stuck and I don't know which way to go, and there's a thirteen in it somewhere, that's probably the only time I use it, and that's because otherwise I wouldn't be able to make a decision. So what, what about what about luck in business? Some people sort of like say there's a lot of luck 
involved in business. What's your view on that? I I don't I'm a control freak, therefore I don't believe in luck. Let's okay. put it that way. Like I say, I've I could sound very lucky to have met the people that I have at the points that I've met them over the last few years. Uh, there's, there's a couple of people I met literally at the end of February that have been really, really supportive over the last few months. Um, you know, I, at events I almost didn't attend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could tell, you know, it was lucky that I went and blah, blah, blah. Well, actually, no, it was a conscious decision that I went and I knew mm-hmm. who I'd seen at those events. And I, th- I think that, like I say, I, I prefer, rather than saying I, I'm lucky to have met people, I think it, I've been privileged is probably mm-hmm. a better, better way of, of doing it and, you know, of describing it really. Um, but in terms of luck in business, yeah, I, I, we make conscious decisions. Sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong. If the decision you made turned out to be to to have the best possible outcome, mm. there was some insight in that decision making. Yeah, yeah. No, interesting. I know people have different different views on it, different perspectives. But hey, so at the time of recording, frustratingly, we're about to go into another lockdown. Um, uh, is there uh, is there anything you're doing differently with your business? I know it's, it's only going to be for four weeks, hopefully. Um, is there anything you're doing different with your business as a result of that? Or have you pretty much sort of like stayed the same since, you know, the last sort of like lockdown or when we started the last one? Yeah, we've stayed the same, to be honest. So I, do you know, over the last 48 hours, I've had really, really mixed feelings about it. Yes, mm. I'm not going to lie. Yesterday, I was really grumpy. Mm. I was a horrible person to be around yesterday. Good, good job we didn't do this yesterday then. <laughs> And I think it's because I, you know, con- considering things on Sunday, I was right. Okay, so who am my client base? Do I need to be concerned about? Um, and my feeling was that everyone either has or should have already have done everything they need to do. We're not going back to mid-March with this lockdown. We're going back to kind of June, July time mm-hmm. when, when things started moving again. Mm-hmm. Well, at that point, things had already started to move again. Mm-hmm. So actually, this isn't this isn't like a major step backwards. It's just a case from a business perspective. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, to be clear, from a business perspective, because I understand, you know, personally, there are going to be difficulties. But purely thinking business, the only thing really is that people that have gone back into their offices already mm-hmm. are going to have to go back home again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and you know, and again, you know, I am excluding the hospitality stuff from that, of course, and you know, like you know, the pubs and the restaurants. That that is that's a different, you know, like I say, hospitality and events are are two sectors that this is going to be horrendous for. And mm. you know, I'm constantly checking BBC News to see if my mate Rishi's been out with anything to say. Yeah, because um, yeah. I. Think they'll, I'm hoping there will be some announcements certainly within the next seven days mm. or help certainly for those sectors, if not for, for more people. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, probably the only thing I'm doing differently is I've already got involved in a couple of initiatives that are how can we help the people that really are going to struggle now? Mm-hmm. 
and and it's not you know we were already doing stuff to help people extra mm-hmm. webinars and um you know all sorts of obviously we we did um we offered 100 free places to the coaching club um, for a period of time up until the end of September. Um, so, you know, we, we we did things to support our community, mm-hmm. support people in our database, essentially, because that, mm-hmm. that was an easy, we can't help everyone. Mm-hmm. How can we help the people that have been loyal to us? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what yeah. we did. Um, and like I said, this time there's a couple of initiatives that I've gotten involved with. Um, one is with South North Hants Council. So um, you'll start to see some noise about that this week. But from Monday, yeah, from Monday the 9th of November, so next Monday, we're doing a series of webinars um, with them that is just, it's going to help retailers, local retailers, local businesses take their business online. Mm. So especially in the run up to Christmas as well, it's it's very much focused on that. So that's going to help people on a local footing. Um, and then and you know that and that will be open to, you know, it, it's a South North Hans Council Green Umbrella Marketing Initiative, but you know, people from within the business community will be able to to join that as well. Some information will come out shortly. Um, but the other thing we're doing is also getting involved in something within the recruitment world to offer some free support to to recruitment businesses that work within events and work within hospitality that you know they're really going to struggle cash flow wise so there's Mm -hmm. a few people pitching in some time and support free of charge to help try and get those businesses through as well so a bit of business will obviously be looking at their expenditure and cash flow and things like that and there's a tendency to cut the marketing budget i've seen some businesses do that what would your view be on that as we enter lockdown again and, uh, you know, are entering a recession as well? So I think the people that thought that way, they did it in March, March, April, May, they did that. Um, some of those people have realised that that was an error mm-hmm. and they've started to pick up marketing costs again. I think the people that didn't do that have realised that, you know, like I said, that June, July, August, September even you know I've had a lot of people telling me September October have been their best months mm-hmm. and they're the ones that kept marketing yeah that said you can't flog a dead horse you've got to know when to stop something so you know should you turn your marketing off 100% no but you do need to review what you're doing you do need to spend your time wisely and spend your money wisely um, I've had you know one business we're working with that they've they were running loads of Google ads and it was bringing them lots of noise to their website but not mm. any convertible traffic so they've turned that off um, which has saved them thousands of pounds a month and but they're spending more money on their email marketing so people already in their database they're actually you know, right now, the marketing you should be doing is very account-based. Mm-hmm. So who are you working with already? How can you market to them to to, to get more from them? Um, and looking in your database, look at the people that you've already got. Look at the people that are already your fans. Yeah, reach out to them. Yeah, absolutely. So so one last question before I give the opportunity to uh, learn us about something. Um, so what's the biggest challenge that you've faced since being in business and how, how did you overcome that? Um, biggest challenge is probably saying no to people. Okay. So it is you. F- okay. 
this is going to sound a bit big-headed. Go on, do it, Christina. Not going to go off particularly well. So as a marketing agency, we are kind of quite bold when it comes to, you know, being out and about and, and all that sort of stuff. So people immediately make assumptions because of that that you know that we're doing well and when everything's fantastic and you know don't get me wrong things are great you know I'm quite happy are they as good as they could be no they're not for obvious reasons um but people kind of they they see and they buy into the brand and it's really flattering Mm -hmm. and then you get asked to do things and before you've even considered it you've said yes Mm -hmm. and then actually you go I really shouldn't have committed myself to that Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and you end up caught up doing things that are not the best use of your time because you've said yes to too many things without considering it. Um, And there are things you have to say no to sometimes, even though you really want to do them. It might be opportunities to like from a marketing perspective, there's opportunities I've turned down because the what I'd have needed to put in from an effort perspective and time perspective wasn't going to be worth the reward. Equally, there have been people that have wanted to come and use our services that I know we can't deliver for because of what they're selling or the way their business works, or maybe I just didn't gel particularly well with with that business owner, and I, I just couldn't see that we would mm-hmm. ever be able to rep. Maybe I didn't believe in their business. Mm-hmm. You know, even in that situation, it's really hard to to say no to someone to turn that business away. And especially when things are tight and everyone's looking at, you know, if we want to protect our bottom lines, we've got to have the revenue. Yes, it's it's a tricky one, particularly if you're uh, new to business or facing, uh, you know, cash flow issues now uh, to turn business away. But I think, you know, looking at a more strategic view, you know, um, if you've got your ideal client, you know who you want, you know how you can best deliver, <clears throat> then, you know, it's, it's really focused on them because, you know, I hear it time and time again, you know, that people regret taking on certain clients they're usually the one that pay the least and give the most aggro and then it's harder to get rid of them you know going forward so you know so yeah i i I tend to agree with you so i'm going to hand the floor over to you now um to give us three or four minutes of your wisdom uh, on a topic of your choice um so i'm going to make you a sort of full screen if i can do that with the technology and then uh yeah i think i can and see you in about three or so minutes so educators christina the floor is yours okie dokie so everyone wants to know why social media why should we bother with it is it really worth the effort and more often than not where people are going wrong is they just think i need to use social so therefore i'll chuck out some facebook posts i will do some linkedin updates i'll pop something on instagram i'll i'll throw it on linkedin And they think just making a noise is enough and it isn't. You need to have a strategy. You need to have a a purpose and an objective for each social media channel you're working on. Now, a lot of people will automatically think, okay, well, I'm going to use LinkedIn because I want people to be aware of my personal brand. I'm going to use Facebook because I want to try and uncover new opportunities. So, you know, obviously, uh, the ultimate reason for using social is sales But actually, you need to dig a little bit deeper. You need to be more purposeful than that. So there are three things that I think probably every business, as well as the brand awareness, as well as the uncovering new opportunities, there's probably a third objective that um, most businesses would want to choose. And it's, it's one of these next three. 
So first of all, you can use social media to create accessibility to your business. It's a fantastic way of allowing people to see exactly who you are. Um, you know, are they going to want to work with you? Can you build rapport through social media with people that you've never even met before? The answer is yes. They hear your voice, they see your face, they hear you laugh, they understand what you're passionate about, what you're not passionate about, and all of a sudden they feel like they can talk to you on your level. So accessibility is, is such a huge reason to use social. The next reason is to drive traffic to your website, but what you really want to do is drive the right traffic to your website. Don't get caught up in volumes, get caught up in quality. So I might have 30,000 hits coming to my website, but if they're all coming from the US, it's irrelevant if I only work within the UK. So I can use my social media to make sure I'm targeting those ideal clients in the ideal locations, really focusing on those people, creating content that links to the pages on my website where I can create those conversions. That's a fantastic reason. That's a great objective to use social. And then the third option um, is to listen and to learn. And this is something I'm really passionate about right now because we talk about ideal clients and, and I would describe my ideal client as being a, you know, a business owner of a recruitment agency who has 30 or less employees, who has worked for a, a national agency previously, um, who has a growth mindset. And I could dig into all these things, all these behaviors. I can, I can talk to you about the kind of things I think they'll do in their free time. And I, I've really got that avatar really, really nailed. But the reality is that right now, a lot of that has changed. A lot of those growth mindset people, um, that the way they're looking at the business right now is different. They're reading different books. Buying behaviors have changed. If you think about your ideal clients, are they behaving in the same way? Well, how are you going to know? If you use your social media in the right way, you can listen, you can learn, you can recognize how, they, how things have changed. Do you need to redefine your avatar at this point? Are there some behavioral changes right now? Um, and let's think, of, you know, we're coming towards silly season. Everyone starts their Christmas shopping or is gloating because they've um, done it already. But when you think about buying behavior, if we go back a few years, everybody would have been you know, going to the high street, going to the, you know, your John Lewis, your Debenhams and all those kinds of stores right now. Forget that. Everyone's going online. That's where people want to do the shopping. Amazon share prices have skyrocketed because there's so much happening there. That's because buyer behavior has changed. So if there are behaviors within your ideal client, Using social is a fantastic way to, to listen to them and, and to learn about them. So like I said, you know, why use social media? Be really clear on what you want to get out of it and try and really, really focus on each social media channel you're going to use. Make sure you're picking the right social media channels for your business and setting some really clear objectives for each one. Okay, that's excellent. Thanks for that, Christine. I appreciate that. Um, I'll just see if there are any questions 
for anybody. Uh, technology is a wonderful thing. Um, so if anybody's listening, do you have any questions for Christina? Now's the time to pop it in the comments on whatever platform you're on. And I'm sure she'll be happy to uh, answer them. So I'll give that a little while to permeate through. So um, if you were to give one top tip for uh, a business owner, what, what would that be? Don't be alone. Don't think you have to know everything. You know, it, it's, um, I think people expect you to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. And actually, most of us don't. And the more you talk to other people, the more you go out and say, right, this thing's come up and I just don't know what to do, the more you realize that actually there's very few business owners out there that do have all the answers. What there is, though, is by asking those questions, you're able to surround yourself with a, almost like a circle of, of accountability. So whether that's a formal relationship through a mentor or, or an informal relationship because you've you've met some peers through networking, um, actually, you know, by being honest about the fact that you don't have all the answers, asking those questions, reaching out to people that might have the answers, you end up really, really um, just having a solid foundation and getting into that scenario where you're not alone. You know, when, when you're feeling when you're feeling that you've you know, you've got a choice of people to reach out to. Okay. One comment for you. There you go. Mara's a bit, Mara's stalking you today, I think. <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to stalk her next week. So thanks for that. So um, how do people get in touch with you, Christine? I'm just sharing some information on the screen for those watching it. But what's the best way of people connecting with you and getting access to some of this great free stuff that you share? Absolutely. Yeah. So if you hop onto the um, Green Umbrella website, so you can see at the bottom of the screen there, but it's green-umbrella.biz um, and then look for the goodies page. So you could just put forward slash goodies on the end of that and um, that will take you through to where all our downloads and everything are. And you know, that there's like um, 75 content ideas. There's an ideal client worksheet. There's all, all sorts of checklists and guides and and blueprints and things like that that you can make use of. Um, if you've got questions directly for me, best place to get a response is going to be over on LinkedIn. Um, that's where I spend most of my time. So, um, yeah. And if I've said anything interesting at all, even if it's just for like three seconds worth, um, then I, you know, go and go and check the podcast out. And I'd, I'd love, um, yeah, love anyone that listens to that to let me know what they think and maybe come and join me on an episode. Yeah, you know, definitely tune in to, to Christine and some of the Green Umbrella stuff that they do. There's a lot of valuable uh, information and uh, uh, insights out there. So, um, yeah, do that. So thanks ever so much for today, Christine. I know you're a busy girl. So thanks for uh, slotting me in. Um, uh, I'll tag you in some of these things online so you can put any details there for um, uh, people that are watching the video I think we'll end the broadcast there